Hi everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of my podcast. We have a special guest today. Uh, he, he is a martial artist, a young master, uh, the founder of Conscious Yoga, and, uh, and a metalhead. Uh, we have JC DeLeon. Hi, JC. <laughs> Hi, Chana. It's an honor to be here. <laughs> nice to see you, JC, after some time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very rare that we haven't seen each other because we always see each other physically in the mosh pit. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, when did we first meet? In which show? Um... I'm not sure, but I think I've seen you already several times. But mm. I think I'm trying to remember. You know, uh, Chaos Legion's album launch. Oh right, War. right. That is 2011, yeah. actually. Yeah, 2011. 2011. Yeah, Divine Sacred Order and the other bands there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. 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 I remember now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Legion. So there. Yeah. So, JC, um, tell me a little bit about your childhood, JC, grow, how growing up. And then, uh, of course, we need to talk about yoga, but we let's talk about music first. So, your you know earliest memories of music growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, uh, when we talk about music, it's already yoga for me because mm. uh, yoga is uh, flowing, it's vibrating. So, we're all energy and vibration. That's what music is. And for me... Music is yoga. So there's no delineation except for how a normal person might see it, that no, yoga is this and that. I, as much as I want to pigeonhole things, because you know we love genres and subgenres, it's all the same. Yeah. But yeah, sure. Uh, I'm 43 years old. No, 43 years young. (laughs) I was born and raised in Manila. I... I studied in Coleo San Agustin, Makati, and that's where I discovered metal. Right. I was, I'm very thankful that I was raised by hippie parents. Hippie in the sense that it was their era right. from the late 60s, early 70s. So when I was born, my parents were fairly young because my mom got pregnant at 18. So my dad was just five years older than my mom. So. They had a lot of records, mm. and I actually have a couple of records I brought out just for this, just to show you the first records I ever heard mm. through my dad. So I still have his records. He loves these so much. He didn't call it metal then. He called it um, acid rock. Right. Iron Butterflies in Agada da Vida. Wow. <laughs> the original. I still have it. So there. And uh, the song is so long, right? Um, it takes one whole side. <laughs> and for me, this gave birth to my love for anything doomy and dark. The Master of Reality album. Reality, Black Sabbath, right. <laughs> yeah, with Children of the Grave and Sweet Leaf. So these were my first, um, what do you call this? My first introductions as a child. So he loved Hendrix and everything. Uh, growing up, I loved music so much because it was always playing in the house. And 
I was born in 77. It was the year of punk. Mm. But, of course, you were too young then. When I grew up in the early 80s, it was already post-punk, synth-pop, and new wave. Right. And at the same time, I had dance records. So there was a lot of uh, listening to The Cure, stuff like that. Uh, Spando, Duran, because they were the popular ones. And uh, Tears for Fears, The Police. That was my that was my introduction to music, but I still remember the very first cassette tape I owned, which is uh, Thriller, Michael Jackson. Wow, <laughs> it, it, it was it was the bomb then. But I also remember the very first CD I ever bought, because I couldn't afford to buy CDs then because it's, uh, grade school, high school, I had to not eat my lunch money just so that I could buy cassette tapes at the time. <laughs> yeah. cassette tape, uh, 60 pesos, it became 70, 80, 90, all the way to 120 when, when I was already working. But the CD, I really saved up for it. It was Rain and Blood by Slayer. Wow. <laughs> that was my first. Guess what, China? I also have my very first LP here with me. It, I still have it. <laughs> I have that also, yes. <laughs> I know, I know. I still have my second LP ever. I can't believe it. I, I've let go of so much stuff, but I couldn't let go of these things. Power slave. <laughs> yes. So you can just imagine how, how I felt when Maiden wasn't coming anymore. I was really looking <laughs> forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going back to, to from new wave and post punk, I, I kind of tried to know where post punk came from. So some of my older, older playmates, where I grew up in Pandakan, Manila, mm. they had mm. uh, records of, oh, well, not records, cassette tapes of, uh, of uh, the Clash. Uh, wow! I said, wow, what's this? So raw and the remotes. Right. So I kind of saw the connection already. And then 1987 came and I heard Welcome to the Jungle. It's like, what is this? <laughs> I was shocked. So I, I immediately went to the... My, my classmate played it. So after school, I went to the store and there was, there was only one Guns N' Roses cassette tape. There was no, no cassette tape with song I was looking for Welcome to the Jungle so it was Lice so I bought it right. and I said this is amazing they, they have a soft side so what is this because because um, I, I, I know of ACDC I know of Van Halen I, I know of the other bands from the 80s but this was kind of raw that mm. I kind of heard the Sex Pistols and everything so I fell in love with Guns N' Roses and everything that they did I followed uh, I had all the VHS tapes, all the t-shirts and everything. Still listening to other forms of music. And I had a classmate when I was in fifth grade who said, oh, you should listen to this. So he actually lent me a cassette tape. And when I heard that, I never went back. Master of Puppets. <laughs> that, was my, that was my intro to Thrash. Right. And if you will ask me what my genre is, Growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, it's thrash metal. So yeah. I'm not just talking about the big four. I'm talking about um, 
Testament, uh, Exodus, Overkill, Dead Angel, Exhorter, Forbidden, mm. Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, so many other bands that I just... Because I love the aggression, but I also love melody. So I love the fact that you can still sing something so heavy. Mm. Not to take away from that grind black, which I also appreciate. But thrash for me, you can sing and you can groove. That's why Pantera was born. But it's still so heavy that you could have this healing effect just listening to it. And yet you could still hum and sing along to it. Yeah. So that's my story. And then from from Thrash, um, I discovered, of course, the early Florida death metal scene. Uh, It led to hearing about Grindcore and eventually the early black metal sounds of uh, Hellhammer, Celtic Frost, King Diamond, and... I also started to hear traditional metal, which changed names and it became power metal. And mm. There's Halloween. I started listening to Dream Theater, and from there I said, "Wow, this is amazing!" So it kind of sounded like Queen Strike, but less of the glam, but more technical. And then Fate's Warning. So mm. I was into everything, anything I could get my hands on, any cassette tape. I loved it all. I also like very basic uh, dark blues like Danzig. And uh, I'll be honest, when when grunge came out, I felt a little sad because metal was dwindling. Mm. I did appreciate some bands there because I was into punk and hardcore as well. So when I heard Nirvana, I said, "Hmm, I think this is like a hardcore band, but uh, more right. melodic hardcore sludgy band." So I said, "Wow!" But they they named it something else. It was the first time for me to hear grunge. And then when I heard Pearl Jam, I said, impressive. It's like a 70s metal band, but uh, murkier. But they were like a classic rock band that's very different from Nirvana. And yet they, they call them grunge. And yeah. then I heard Alice in Chains. I said, oh, wow, so beautiful. Very, very gloomy. Very much like the Doors with a lot of distortion. And then I heard Soundgarden. And I said, this is my grunge band. <laughs> Because it was still very metal for me. Yeah, because they, even though they call grunge, grunge is more of like a era or category, right? It's not really. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's an era. It's also for how do I say this? It's also like a a, a, a location scene, mm. but had a certain sound that it branched out. That even Stone Temple Pilots became part of it, and there's also other bands. So yeah. I saw Pearl Jam and Mud Honey live here as well. So, mm. right. So, uh, what was uh, were you uh, listening to any of the local bands those days? Filipino yeah, bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. What? I the the local bands back then were, of course, the the popular ones were, of course, the Dawn, After Image. I went to a lot of concerts. So I was I was in high school, but I used to go to concerts and even Club Dread in Timog and then eventually in Cubao. I used to go by myself because uh, I was in first year, second year high school. A lot of my friends were not allowed, but my my hippie parents were very liberated. So, sure, go. I, I went on my own. I, I got to watch a lot of uh, post-punk bands like uh, Ethnic Faces. Uh, there's also, uh, how do I say this? Well, Intervoice back then was still part of the post-punk scene before they mm. came to pop like Alamid as well. 
the dawn i said i i loved reggae so coco jam tropical depression and the 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 metal bands that i got to see uh were of course euthanasia a thrash metal band that i mm. really loved and there's uh mass carnage and several several other bands mutiny dahong palai and and even some death metal bands rumble belly and that scene basically right so what was your first international artist that you saw live it's so funny i kind of figured you would ask but uh it's a pop r&b disco artist named sibyl <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Don't make me over and all. Yeah, I my classmates wanted to watch. I go, yeah, sure, let's go, let's go, let's go watch. And no judgment for me, music is music. But yeah, China, here's something funny because when you started uh, the autographs and merch group in Manila, even though you're from Sri Lanka and then you started it, I, I really adored it because not only did you make a scene, you had you actually started the community and. I could so relate because I thought I was the only guy like that. Right. I actually I declutter a lot. Okay, I I I try to be as minimalist as I can. That's why I've let go of almost four thousand record CDs and tapes, and I only have a couple now plus Spotify and iTunes. But this is what I used to do with every concert I have ever gone to. I have. Scrapbooks, all right. Long books of every ticket and every newspaper article that I could find. I would actually cut. For example, I actually get the articles, get the ticket, and file it. So here's a sample of one concert. Hmm, Metallica. Yeah, '92. So basically. What I do is I, I get all the articles, I, I keep the ticket, and I file it in a folder. So I already have sort of like a five of these scrapbooks that I stopped already. So the concerts that I've seen past 2010, I don't have copies or tickets anymore. <laughs> yeah, so basically everything from late 80s all the way to 2010, I still have the tickets, but I think I should just. Let go, cause it's a memory now. But I'm very <laughs> thankful for that. I have all of those, even the guitar picks. I've kept everything, drumsticks. <clears throat> yeah. So it was it was Sybil, but my first uh, international metal band was uh, Metallica. Can you tell me about that show? Yeah, it was it was truly memorable. Uh, the show started around eight, eight, eight or nine, but. Me and my friends from high school were already there at around 12 lunch, and the line was already long. And to think that there were seats, so it was just—it was just—I I just couldn't uh, I couldn't explain it because it was a dream come true for me. It was for me to actually hear Master of Puppets live. That's what I was waiting for, and yeah. um, I'm thankful that my father gave me money to buy tickets. So I'm thankful my classmates also had the money to buy the ticket. So we, I was in row, row F, A B C D E F. Basically, uh, yeah, six, sixth row. 
so that was that was pretty awesome and i noticed especially in that area it seems that i was the only one singing all the songs from uh from the ride the lightning album of course and kill him all master of puppets and the justice for all but everyone was singing i think if yeah it seems that the crowd that was close to me they only sang three songs uh of course, Enter Sandman, um, Unforgiven, and Sad But True. Mm. But the rest, uh, I just, I, I knew everything. Even their <laughs> Stone Cold Crazy cover was there. Um, the Misfits cover. I, I I just, I didn't have a voice the next day. And I also felt sad because um, people were trying to mosh there in the area, but there were seats. But some people weren't accustomed to it because this was the first big metal band that came a lot of metal bands that people knew because of MTV didn't really have mosh pits at the time because mm. uh, glam was very big. So, I mean, you don't really see mosh pits in Guns N' Roses concerts when you watch their footages. But with Metallica, it was sort of expected. That's why even James Hetfield kept on saying, with this next song, I want to see you guys go wild. I want to see you, I just want to see you run around and jump around. But nobody did. So once in a while, you would see some person flying, and you would also see a fight break out because a person who was there, who is not accustomed to something like that, would get mad, and a fight would ensue. I also felt bad because uh, people, some people, some know-it-alls, were just bombasting Jason Newstead, mm. giving him the finger, and yelling at him that it's still supposed to be Cliff Burton. I don't understand because uh, how can that be? No. So this is respect, and it was beautiful. Kirk Hammett spoke in Filipino just a couple of times. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, but what's memorable for me about that is after, before they said goodbye, they said we would come back soon, and they never did. Right. And as a music fan, I kind of held on to that. Yeah, I was uh, second year high school then, so I, I was really holding on to his words. So I think I was 15. Something, yeah, yeah. There a lot of people. I mean, I really like actually Jason Newstead because I don't know because a lot of people are like you know bashing him, but he's like he's like really good basis and he actually brought Metallica to that level, right? He will he contributed a lot, absolutely. He had the aggression as well, and he added the uh, whether people agree with, with that or not. There was this look, as a matter of fact, with he he was the one who banged his head the most. Right. And and I personally shaved the sides of my head because of him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So JC, He's one of the other yeah. Yes, I was uh, I saw that. Uh. <laughs> it's it's my yoga school. Medical yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, before when I when I practice yoga, it's so funny because uh. Uh, mostly a lot of girls practice um, normally I'm just I'm the only guy and there sometimes there are a couple but I always wear um, like a, the Slayer Eagle or a Countdown to Extinction shirt and uh, sometimes uh, uh, they see me wearing an Antrax shirt <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. being, being trash uh, you know loving that genre uh, were you able to like because there was this thing right that people 
like people were like oh i i mean to metallica i mean to megadeth like there was this sort of a competition between the two bands right were you middle yeah. of that because i believe you, i mean you probably love both of them right <laughs> i love both of them but if i were to choose one i choose uh in terms of volume of uh number of uh songs that were really good metallica really had a lot of good songs but the songs of megadeth that i really loved outweighed my love for the volume of songs because my my favorite thrash song of all time is still um, holy wars mm. as a matter of fact uh, in high school until college i had a band called genocide and we we did red originals but we never failed to cover uh, holy wars right i also love the fact that uh, that the Megadeth sort of like uh, was the proto prog trash band for me. They were very technical compared to the others, even though the other had fast solos and everything. They were very technical, plus they added twin guitars of Iron Maiden and souped it up, something like that. I also love the voice of Dave Mustaine. Mm. He was I... also like so cool as a rock, uh, what that rock god was supposed to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of people are saying he's arrogant and all that, but not. Yeah. I don't think so. But he's he, he, he he's kind of. I think he's a kind person, but he doesn't like. He doesn't uh, entertain bullshit. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I guess so, and I guess to each his own. So for yeah. me, I, I listen to people not. Because they're nice. I right. listen for their art. Because uh, if I listen to music because the person was nice, I wouldn't be able to listen to more than half of the music I listen to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm such a big uh, Dave Mustaine fan, especially that era with uh, Marty Friedman, Nick Menza, Ellison. Right. Rest that, in peace. That, yeah. that era. Yeah, the rest yeah. in peace and then. They reached uh, Countdown to Extinction. Countdown to Extinction, yeah. Symphony of Destruction. I'm oh, sorry, sir. Symphony. Um, what's it called? Uh, what's the third? What's the album after Countdown? The one with Train of Consequence. Ah, and... uh, Euthanasia. Euthanasia is the tra Train of Consequences, yes. Yeah, I mean, that still has them, right? That's one of my favorite albums also because it's mm -hmm. really, <laughs> really cool song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it with the harmonica. They added the blues sound yeah. there. So JC, uh, you said you, uh, I never knew this, that you actually had a band? Yes, but I never really mentioned it because uh, I, I, nothing came of it. Everyone just uh, just started doing their own thing. And then would you believe uh, the guitar player who was so into black metal now listens to J-pop? Nothing against that, but that's his music now. Uh I actually studied music. Mm. Uh, even in college, I, I crossed the street to Saint Scott because I was studying music theory. They they actually had a music school. I studied music theory and voice. When I was a kid, I I was part of uh, the Philippine contingent for international uh, music. It's called the Manila Children's Choir. It was started by the government, and right. I was a child soprano. So. My I was classically trained in terms of voice. That's why I appreciate James Labrie. There, yeah. I, I love the, uh, octaves of uh, 
Dream Theater. We covered Slayer, uh, Dream Theater as well. The the early years, and then a lot of uh, a lot of uh, originals, but nothing ever came of it. Yeah. Do you still have those songs you written? Uh, in a cassette tape somewhere that's probably moldy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, the songs probably sounded like uh, for me it was sort of like a cross between Testament and Iron Maiden. Because right. I still love the Dickinson flowing melodies. Hmm. Wow. And at the, at the time that we were writing songs, I was listening to a lot of uh, uh, Testament uh, Low, the album Low. Right. Yeah. Very heavy. Very, very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so, JC, one of the other shows that you showed me the ticket is the, the, one, the one you went to see Beastie Boys, Rage, yeah. and then Sonic right can you tell me about that gig it was uh so rage is a separate concert rage against the machine came here right but uh i actually have the one that you're referring to here so check it out would you believe that uh the most violent concert international concert i went to is this one rage at the astrodome wow Yeah, riot and people just kept on jumping everywhere and going through barricades and you could see guards with their with their sticks just hurling at everyone. It was it was very intense. Yeah. Uh, this is the concert you were referring to. It's actually Beastie Boys, Sonic Youth, and Foo Fighters. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Right. So can you imagine? That's why we're friends because of the autographs, uh, merch, and stuff. I also keep the stuff. It means a lot. Yes. Because, uh, these are memories that are what life has made up for me. So you I, saw you saw Rage Against the Machine, the original lineup, and then you recently, uh, few years uh, ago, you saw Prophets of Rage yeah. also, right? My my wife uh, Denise went. My wife Denise and I went to Japan and we watched Prophets of Rage. Right. So it's uh, Rage with Cypress Hill and Public Enemy. Public to, Enemy. To, I really like yeah Chuck D. So, Rage Against the Machine was intense, but I I, I enjoyed the uh, the Alternative Nation. It was actually an MTV concert. Right there, one. Look at the opening act. Eraser Eraser. Hits, right? Yeah. So, as always, uh, with a lot of punks and a lot of uh, cool kids, because it's a local act, uh, they were also sort of like uh, yelling for for he heads to finish already. What's mm. funny is after that, they're also the same people who who appreciate them when there's no international band. <laughs> Listening to them even after. So, yeah. Uh, it's I believe it started with Foo Fighters. Uh, first album. So, basically, all the songs there are still very aggressive. Uh, mm. You could hear the punk sound. Plus, I know that Dave Grohl was a Slayer fan. And he's a hardcore kid. Sonic Youth came in next, and I'm a fan, so that was amazing. <coughs> Excuse me. Beastie Boys was the bomb for me. Because <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan of uh, Fight for Your Right. Right. Uh, License to Ill, you, you, you could see them wearing Slayer shirts and stuff. So I said, oh, wow. These are my, these are my rappers. 
Right. <laughs> and then you know that the recruitment <laughs> comes with the Slayer shirt, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I didn't realize it because because I got to know Rick Rubin by reading about him and then seeing his pictures with a beard and all. I didn't realize that when I was younger, I already saw him without the beard and everything. <laughs> well, and that he was the mogul for Def Jam, especially right. now after watching Hip Hop Evolution. <laughs> you get to see it all. So you were, so JC, you were listening to hip hop also those days? Yes, absolutely. As as uh, well, I'm not embarrassed anymore to admit, but I also went through the the break dancing phase. It was a big thing here in the '80s, here in Manila. But I was already listening to punk and hardcore. But uh, uh, break dancing was a sort of like a street thing also. So mm. I was like, wow, cool, cool. Yeah, I in terms of hip hop, I got to love hip hop more in the early '90s, especially with a West Coast sound. Right. You, you had uh, Dr. Dre and the Dog Pound. You you had Cypress Hill, which I truly loved. Mm. And you have to understand that it was the time wherein, even though in Manila, people were fighting because you're either hip hop or you're metal, and then from the metal side. You could only be metal and not punk, so it never made sense to me because I love music. I even listened to classical, mm. and I also listened to dance music, house, and techno. So for me, it was all this beautiful uh, buffet that you could just enjoy. Yes. And then '90s came, and people started mixing all the genres, and I thought it was beautiful. That's why uh, rap music was also part of uh, festivals, and then. I I really loved Ice T. That's why when he formed Hardcore Band Body Count, it was like, oh my god, this is perfect. And then they toured yeah. with Slayer. I said these guys are so open-minded. And Slayer for them to even get Rick Rubin, who knows, uh, is into hip hop. It means they appreciate the the bass sound and they 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 appreciate the production quality of hip hop. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. So Rage Against the Machine was a natural extension, and. If you listen to a lot of hardcore, if you think about it, a lot of hardcore is hip hop and vice versa, especially the New yes. York hardcore scene. And my favorite hardcore scene is New York. So you have Agnostic Front, you you have Sick of It All, and the way they the way the way they belt out their music, even Crow Mags, it's almost like rapping, but with sheer aggression. So it just makes sense to me. And they have a lot of breakdowns and a lot of drum beats that actually. If you set it aside, you could rap over. Right. Yeah. So, for me, it's 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 all the same. It's it's all. I know it sounds corny. It's yoga, but it's it's just one. It's it's quite uh, amazing that those days the punk and the hip hop scene like co- like they they sort of started in the like in New York parallelly, right? Like it was yeah, like a parallel scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, If you think about it, with the it was, and you know what's so funny? They weren't even trying to be street or gangster. It's just mm. that they were there, and that's where they're from. So they just sing about what they know about. Right. They did, didn't do that on purpose to be cool. It's just who they were. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So JC, when I first uh, sort of saw you, I I I I I thought that you probably like. Maybe you're like a hardcore kid or a hardcore fan because I don't know. Maybe that's my first impression of you. Yeah, you always saw me then. I was always in a Minor Threat shirt because I love Minor Threat, and I and 
my 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 hardcore shirts are the most comfortable because uh they're very thin for me wearing it all the time yeah i i had a couple of like uh, circle jerks minor threat the early hardcore black flag bad brains but i don't consider myself a hardcore kid in mm. the sense that compared to the people who are really part of the hardcore scenes in the philippines uh i i'm i I'm sort of like i'm just a guest oh, okay. i go to the but I'm not really part of the, any crew or any scene. I go by myself. Sometimes I bring my wife. Right. And I, I go to both local and foreign bands I support. And I I just stay on the side. But when the pit starts, I'm there. And then, because I'm 43, I get tired. So I just, I just <laughs> go back to the side. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm a big hardcore fan. But I wish I could say I'm a hardcore kid. But I'm. would you believe I'm more of a metalhead? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what was the last last mosh pit you were in, uh, JC? Man, it's a long time ago. The last uh, foreign mosh pit would be sick of it all in in Laguna, in right. Santa Rosa. So that's why I'm very I I. I live in Muntinlupa, which is the border of Metro Manila, or the edge. And next is Laguna already. That's why I'm very thankful uh, there's Howell and company for the mm. Laguna hardcore scene. Yeah. Supporting Piledriver and everything. Piledriver, yeah. Uh, I'm, I actually invited Howell to join this podcast. Uh, we are still working out the details. so. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I respect their crew so much. Their, their music and everything. Plus, I love New York hardcore. And you could see... How they have their Filipino sound with Madball and everything. Mm. Respect. Yes. So, uh, JC, one of the things that uh, I noticed with you is that you also you have a brother as well, right? So it's only two of you in your family, yes. siblings. Correct. So yes. both of you guys are like martial artists, right? Yes, yes, yes. So what we, sort of uh, stuff do you do? Well, I, I trained for the longest time in Filipino martial arts. Same with my brother. Uh, it's uh, Filipino martial arts are known in the world as Arnis, Kali, Eskrima. You see that with sticks, swords, and knives. Right. Yeah. But we also practice other different styles of martial arts as well. And uh, for me, it's also just like yoga. Mm. It's, it's really an expression of movement. Because martial arts goes in tangents. There's the art side, wherein you just focus on the discipline and the movement, as well as some creating some scenarios that may seem implausible now in this day and age. And there's the more hardcore combatives aspect side of really studying um, reality-based fighting, so to speak. Yeah. But right, to be honest with you though, uh, even though I, I still train here at home. My brother is very active in his mm. house. I My brother Jason, by the way, uh, he's also uh, an instructor of a Filipino martial art called Sarian, street fighting. And even though we practice the combative styles, we appreciate the more traditional uniform-based uh, martial art that you see on TV. Basically, I love all martial arts. Yeah. It's just that I try not to talk about it as much, but here with you, you're my friend. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a personal thing. Right. Yeah, that I, yeah. Well, you were 
fan of karate kid when you were a child <laughs> i at 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 my embarrassment now i used to go out with a headband <laughs> of mr miyagi and i remember some kids laughing at me for that but i said mm, i thought i was cool they 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 probably thought i was so uncool but i loved it <laughs> in fact i watched the uh, i watched the youtube series recently yeah cobra kai right yeah that- And then I think they're coming to Netflix the season three, right? I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited. <laughs> I I I grew up I I grew up watching all the ninja movies. I thought I was going to be a ninja when I grew up. So apparently it's not a thing. So yeah. Right. <clears throat> so JC, well, can you tell me how did you got interested of yoga? Yeah. It's ironic people always ask me when I started but the truth is I don't remember the exact year because right. my father was a martial artist my mother was a yogi as in hardcore as in she's the type who would wake up at 4 in the morning and sit in a lotus position and meditate for an hour so I I grew up into it I I I used to see it as a toddler She was showing me these different uh, poses, even though she wasn't really into the physical side of yoga. She was more into meditation, like what you do. Right. And every time I was I was a hyperactive kid, she would just sit me down next to her, and she would just ask me to close my eyes and breathe. And of course, I would fidget. And then, as I grew older, I got the hang of it. So, what people don't realize is my yoga practice is meditation. Mm. It's not just doing all those headstands or. Or yoga poses, but it's really sitting down, finding stillness. That's that's my yoga. And if I were to give a date or maybe an age, I got clarity of what my mother was doing at around ten, because that's when I became consistent with her. Right. Sitting either in the morning or at night next to her for thirty minutes to one hour. And for me to be able to sit for 30 minutes at that age was already uh, a big feat. Yeah, so I was very young then, and then I got into physical yoga later on because a martial arts uh, practitioner friend of mine said you should try this uh, yoga. I said I do yoga, mm. and then he asked me, okay, show me. So uh, w- what's there to show? I just sit down and close my eyes. And then he was perplexed. No, 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 not that. Then he started showing me these, these poses. Oh, okay, that kind of yoga. I go, okay, I'll I'll try it out. But I, at first I was laughing. I said, no, no, no. I just I just wanna something more active, more mm. aggressive even. And then I attended my first uh, formal yoga class in a yoga studio, and I couldn't breathe, and I couldn't do anything that everyone was doing, and they were all mothers, and it humbled me, and I kept going back. So I fell in love with another aspect of the practice, and I told my mom about it. Uh, I, I said, "Ah, I thought you were showing me yoga. Yes, it's yoga. But how come my friend was showing me this kind? No, it's it's all yoga. It's just that a different aspect and everything." Right. So later on, I did my research, and she gave me all her books, and I read it, and I was, "Oh, okay, it's a whole big thing. It's like saying thrash metal is the only metal genre when it turns out it's a whole <laughs> world out there." Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, those uh, styles how did you what was like you were looking for different how did you settle on a certain yeah. uh, yoga style uh cuz at the time it was only ashtanga vinyasa yoga 
the set sequence that was prevalent here in Manila. So I kept on going to that class. And then eventually, other styles were starting to be introduced in the Philippines. I, tra- I tried it all. Mm. But the style that I really fell in love with was yin yoga, the one that you do, wherein you hold the poses for a long period of time. People used to hold it for three to five minutes. I just hold it for one to three minutes now. It's more of myofascial release. And for me, I find it the most meditative because you actually hold the poses or sustain it for a long time. So I get to practice my mother's yoga of meditation along with the physical style of it. And that's what I certify people in as well. Yeah. Yeah. So what I what I notice with you, you know, your style of yoga, the way you do it is I feel that it's more compassionate. Like it's it's more focused on compassion towards yourself. And then it's not like just you just you just trying out you want to just try out that pose and you want to strive with that, but more of like listening to your body and then being compassionate, right? Thank you for saying that. Exactly. I, I just want people to to be able to do what they would want. Right. I would never be the drill instructor who would force them to to reach whatever the body cannot reach at the moment or to to practically torture you in a way. For me, uh the mere fact that you're even there, it means you already want to be a better person just by sitting still, especially in this pandemic, finding finding that grounding, finding that anchor makes a big difference already. And just to sit down and to breathe is okay. And then if you want to try to reach your shins or your toes, great. If not, then respect. Hmm. <clears throat> so Jesse, when did you sort of became a yoga teacher first like got your first certification for yoga oh, that's so funny because i never tell everyone but my first yoga certificate was uh 1990. wow <laughs> meditation yeah and then i have several others and back then med- certifications were not popular i i did several trainings as well that my mother took me in and I go, I don't want to do this. I want to play basketball. I want to play football. No, no, no. You do this. You do this. So, uh, you're practicing all your martial arts. I want you to find this healing side. And I did all the certifications and uh, courses with no certificates. It was all meditation and all. But uh, the yin yoga training in 2000, 2014, that changed my life. Uh, mm. I said, okay, this I will share. And then I started teaching to friends, but I was still in the corporate world. You were also, you, you messaged me to also tell you when I left the corporate world, what happened and all. Because when we were hanging out, I was still working, right? Right. In, in corporate, yeah. I, I left the corporate world when my mother passed away in 2015. So I, I as an homage to my first yoga teacher, my mother, and what I was feeling in the corporate world that uh, there was money but I wasn't as fulfilled Mm. and yet whenever I shared meditation and yoga I felt so light so happy if you may and I said that as a way to honor my mother I will just continue sharing the way she shared it to me so when you attend my class and the way I speak, it's basically her. Right. That's the style, the very compassionate style. And that's what I'm doing. I left the corporate world in 2016, four years now. 
be honest, I miss I miss the money. Back then, any CD, any album, any record, any concert, I'm there. You right. want the the VIP, I'm there, right? That's right. why we always see each other. But of course, now um, it's not about the money. I have to I have to learn to or keep on learning how to just uh, minimize. Was it hard to transition from that corporate life to just doing yoga and? In in a sense, it was a natural progression for me because I was in sales and marketing, so I spoke a lot. Mm. And in class, you basically share, you you share yourself. Uh, the hard part was, of course, the bills. Right. Before there was always something extra. There was always something, or there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of moments when. Hmm. Okay. I guess this is it. Uh, I can't go out anymore. I can't. Little things like that made a difference because, because after my mother died and I left the corporate world, I got married to Denise. Right. So I had to reevaluate and reassess finances, and I'm thankful that we support each other. Yeah, because she's also a yoga teacher, but she hasn't left the corporate world. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it was it was not easy. It was not easy at all. <laughs> but then, you know, during this pandemic, what I realized is that you actually don't need a lot of money to actually live, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I do a lot of gardening here. We eat our own food, by the way. <laughs> wow, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eggplants, tomatoes. We we grow our own spinach and everything else. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean actually if you if you if you describe wealth I think that is the wealth right you can you you grow your own food mm, like yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. when you say you're wealthy I think farmers are the people who are actually wealthy because they people generate the food right <laughs> I agree I agree uh, it's just that uh, because of uh, globalization media the internet people start to see all these amazing things that If they had the money, they think they should own or right. they should buy. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll be honest, I, I I recently purchased something online. Also, even though I know I I need to put the money aside, <laughs> I still bought the Voltas Five because <laughs> it just came out the the mini figure. I actually purchased it. It took me a while to say yes to myself. <laughs> But I said I never had this when I was a kid, and I always wanted one. It was very expensive. Okay, I'll just—it's now or never. Yeah. But what happened to me, JC, is that uh, 2018. I actually I worked for that company like over a decade, and yeah. then I thought I thought of actually leaving that company, and I took a break a couple of months. Uh, I thought that I could probably just. continue as a consultant or something where you i do smaller smaller projects or smaller yeah. gigs but what i realized was that uh, it was really hard maybe it's because of my industry because i had to personally handle all the you know the finances the taxes the whatever all these things that i wouldn't really have to do yeah. in a corporate setting and yes, you had a chart before it Yeah, so that put a lot of uh, you know strain on me, and then I thought that maybe it's easy to just go back to like yeah. corporate. Uh, luckily, I I I got a real really uh, a good place to work again with the yeah, I was with the, I mean, 
you're able to to go to another one yeah so uh, i like doing it because uh, i mean i work in i like technology and then i'm sort of doing forefront of that project so so i thought okay i'll do it uh, maybe put the effort couple of days a week like four days five days or whatever to work and then you focus on personal life on i don't do any work on the weekends and holidays i don't what first thing i did is i i switched off the notifications of the email on the phone so i yes. don't get any notifications yes. for emails <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, nice. I, I think I think this bring to a point. I know that you are you you're kind of practicing this social media fasting kind of practice, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, I do that every so often. Yes. Can you tell me about that, JC? Yeah, I I every so often I do I do thirty day social media breaks, meaning I I don't go on Facebook or Instagram, not even on Twitter. Mm. I but. My messenger is on, because I don't. Uh, I I rather I I still have people who only contact me through messenger. Right. Like classes and companies who contact me, they contact me through messenger. So I I leave that on. But other than that, I'm I'm glad you asked because I it makes a difference, huh? Everything from not touching your phone. I'm actually more mindful, if you may. I even when I do my fast, I change my phone and remove my SIM card from the iPhone to to a Nokia, right? Uh, the very very basic Nokia that only receives text messages and calls. Right. So the only caveat to that I notice is when I need to go to a place that I haven't been to, I use Waze. Right. Now I don't have Waze, so <laughs> for thirty days I don't have Waze. So. I still manage because when we were kids, we could go anywhere without a phone. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking what happened because before what we do is you go, they will tell you the nearest landmark. Yeah. You go to there and you will ask somebody how to go to this road or something. But what happened? Why people are so dependent on the maps now? <laughs> you know, I know. I mean, they they have to know the minutes. They have to know all the routes, and if it's traffic. I've been stuck in traffic also because of social media fasting. Because uh, not only do I leave uh, the apps, I leave the I leave the phone at home, the, right. the, the smartphone. Because I always tell everyone, I don't want my phone to be smarter than me. Yeah. Right. So that's what happens. But I said I, I leave Messenger on. I leave it in the laptop at home here. So I get to check Messenger every few days, only at home. Mm. Yeah, but then I haven't done it in a while. I need to do it again. It's just that now and during the pandemic, uh, it's I I also go through social media to find out what's happening and the pulse of the world. Right. Yeah, we're not out there. So what's your take on this? Uh, because one thing with the social media is so much negativity in social media, right? So it's uh, I think a lot of cases I stopped actually engaging with anybody actually on a topic about very controversial topic. Rather, I I should keep my opinions to myself rather than talking to anybody. It's it's yeah. very negative, right? Very negative, exactly. Very negative, and it's 
it's counterproductive. Right. Right. And some people actually just just fight with others for the sake of fighting. Right. It seems that they even enjoy it. So I I don't want to give my head space to them. I would rather listen to music or even podcasts. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like for example, I was I was listening to to Trash Metal Jesus with you. So yes. I was <laughs> that was a funny one. <laughs> doing the dishes. <laughs> yeah, because I I I thought of creating this because I was kind of bored. There was no shows to go anymore, so I thought, why not I start talking to the friends I know. Uh, yeah. And I got like overwhelming support from a lot of bands and a lot of people, huh? <laughs> Impressive! You, 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 you got Bastardizer. You got, you got all these foreign bands as well. Yeah. Uh, I'd be surprised if uh, Lars Ulrich started uh, joining your podcast and all. <laughs> yeah. I don't because, know if Lars uh, will join. <laughs> <laughs> we can always, you know, we can always aspire. So. <laughs> Actually, that's that's one thing about you, Chana. Ever since I met you, 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 you've been very proactive. You know, there's something that you influenced me on that you never knew. Mm. I actually bought my folding bike because of you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I knew that. Yeah. Ah, okay. I think <laughs> you, you showed me your Mars Kingdom bike, and I said, wow, so pretty. You know, I remember I saw you in the park, and next thing you know, I saved up a little, and then I bought uh, um, an SUV, the style. Right. For, so uh, the Dahon SUV, yeah. Yeah, actually, I I sort of uh, because previously I started biking more of more of for exercise type. That was my ah. first intention, and then uh, then it moved from exercise to like just discovering going places. You know, yeah. I went to like you know long long ride just to just to see places and all that. And then I started commuting to work. I mean, riding the bike to work. Now I actually, JC, I have sort of graduated from that. I actually walk to a lot yeah. of places. So wow. I I actually walk like after work from Ortigas to home. I actually walk. Was there ever a time that uh, you you walk and now, now I can do that? Uh, that is about seven or eight kilometers. It takes like one hour. 30 minutes or 25 minutes something like that wow yeah wow. just uh even in the heat huh even in the heat no that's why i do it in the evening when i'm going back so oh, i normally so leave around bad. like 5 or 6 or whatever so that time and yeah. um, and now actually because of the pandemic there's no proper public transport anyway so i walking is the best uh, just carrying all the groceries and stuff so i do that yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, I got yeah. it. I got it. Well, but was there ever a time when you were walking that you felt now? Uh, oh no, I'm so tired today. Or this is a long walk today. Did you did you ever experience those things? No, uh, I'm so. Uh, it's like this. What I do is I do these virtual challenges. There's these virtual runs or virtual challenges. So I got one of. I have a friend called Kalito. Who is uh, he got me into these things so to do the running and walking, so I started with virtual runs and then I started actually joining the actual runs. But I actually walk. I don't run. I do uh-huh. like five k, ten k. I just walk. And most of the races, I'm always the last person to finish the race. Oh, no, <laughs> but, but I still. Yes, yeah. I finished. Uh, I finished uh, last year. I did. I 
think around 100 races i think that's a lot yeah because i do every sunday every sunday every race i do and then in between the week i do the virtual runs and yes. so i did i think around like 100 probably last year <laughs> wow. uh, the virtual runs because even if you're just walking to the office that already counts yes it counts yeah run. Nice. Yeah, nice. so it, it can be like 100 per month or 200 per month or whatever. So normally I can do 200 per month, uh, actually. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you need to have an app on for the virtual run to log that? Yeah, I use, you know, you know the app, right? Strava? Strava, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I use the Strava app, yeah. Got it. Or you can use a watch, I think, if you have a watch, like a Garmin yes. or something, you can watch. Yes. Got yeah. it. Got it. Nice. But, so, Jason, can you tell me about your conscious yoga and you and the one that you're showing, Medical? What yeah, are those? Yeah. So, I I founded Conscious Spirit Yoga, but I I put letter K on on conscious because uh, one I'm Filipino. Plus, hmm. K is also a very sacred letter. In fact, uh, Krishna starts with the letter K. Right. Now, conscious means aware. And spirit, because I, well, I'm, I'm speaking for myself and for the world that we're all spirits. And what people, a lot of people adhere to is materialism and physicality that they focus on the external. But my yoga is always going internal, going mm. within myself. That's why I try to find the stillness. So I try to be as conscious or as aware as I can be as a spirit. Uh, appreciating the body that I have and the physical world so it's conscious spirit yoga yoga means connection so I call my classes conscious spirit yoga because if you've attended a lot of my classes it's always a lot of meditation mm. and the movements are just sort of a part of it as opposed to other styles where their focus is really the movements mine's the meditation and there's there's just some movements so I call my classes Conscious Spirit Yoga, and then my style of yin yoga, which I certify people in, is Conscious Yin, because it's the yin yoga that's aware of your spirituality, as opposed to just physical. Conscious Spirit Yoga is also, you can say my brand, just like Chana Chana Chana. Mm. Uh, it's my brand, so companies who call me know, oh, Let's call conscious spirit yoga. So I do corporate yoga for them and right. even for institutions. And when I teach in communities, even in depressed areas where there's no yoga, I, I introduce myself, the company as conscious spirit yoga. And then I present myself by teaching. But on the other hand, I also have Medicale Yoga Institute, which is a yoga school that certifies people to become yoga teachers. Right. So... Uh, I am the co-director with this one because I have a partner. She's a physical therapist and a yoga teacher also, Biel Oligario. And what we do is we share the scientific side of yoga. She's 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 a medical professional, and I'm uh, and I'm more into the meditation and spirituality. So we combine the two. So the partnership works so that. The student who graduates will get both sides, the physical, scientific side, and the esoteric, spiritual side of yoga. So we've tried to fuse the two, and we've conducted five teacher trainings already, accredited in North America and India as well. Right. So, yeah. yeah, I actually listened to the pod. 
you guys the you and your the partner you had a podcast right Indeed, i was listening to that recently we were guests yeah we yes, were guests yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so jc have you listen do you know ddp yoga yeah the wrestler yeah diamond <laughs> ഫോക്കസ്യോഗാ If for example, if for example, let's go to music and I listen to Warren, Poison, Slaughter, Winger mm. and a purist death metal head or a trash metal head will lambast a person for that. I think that's just uh that's just a form of bullying or bigotry because yes. a person like me who got into Guns N' Roses and also listened to Bon Jovi and uh Extreme and all Mr. Big and all the other bands yet i listen to napalm death i listen to i listen to um slayer and carcass so it's because of my love for guns and roses that made me want to listen to all these other bands right same with ddp for someone who does their style of yoga and you can see on youtube how he's changed lives i think that's beautiful yeah and if that person because of ddp yoga wants to try meditation then it's ddp's fault thanks to ddp this person now goes to a meditation class right and if this person wants to become a yoga teacher and tries other styles of yoga thanks to ddp i think everything's connected and i can never make fun of someone who's trying or is doing a different style because for me it's all a rhythm and a flow yeah have you seen that video that he he's Yeah. He got this person to walk. He he was not yes, able to walk when he started, right? Walk, but run and jump. yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was this uh, army veteran from the states right. who uh, got injured from from jumping off planes, paratrooper, and then he couldn't even reach his knees. Yeah. And after that, uh, he was running and and doing headstands. I mean, wow! For me, that's beautiful. Yeah there's another movie JC uh, Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts Oh I yeah check that out Yeah because uh, what happened is Jake the Snake Robert was so much addict had a addiction problem and he was having a lot of physical uh, problems himself so DDP took him over to his house and then they shoot this his recovery process and it it's a movie called Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts When was this released? I think probably about 2 years ago maybe. Oh, okay, okay, that's my next to watch. Yeah, you should watch that because they they it, it's uh, Jake the Snake Robert and Racer Ramon uh who was who's the other guy. So they were actually having a lot of these problems and they show the struggle of addiction, you know, how they got over it and it's really amazing now Jake, Jake the Snake Robert is part of AEW. He's one of the managers of AEW. That's amazing. That's 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 very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's really wow. impressive. Wow. So JC, I have some CDs here. 
uh, I want to show you, so yes. we'll get some reaction. So I think you yep. can some of them. <laughs> Beautiful. My wife has that. Yeah. yeah. I just hit some of the Ramones. That's, yeah. that's essential listening. Did you essential watch? Listening. Did, did you watch him when Maki oh, Ramadu came to uh, Manila? I didn't get to. Uh, no, I I had uh, a late night shift at work. I had to take care of some stuff for the next day. Right. Uh, hard hard rock. Yes, uh, yes, I was there. Actually, this one he signed yeah. this signed this this one, and then you know what happened to me? I in 2016 I went to Ireland, Dublin, Ireland, and then for work. And then the day before I leave, CJ Ramon was having a show in the same city, play around the same neighborhood. Actually, wow! wow. So I went to see CJ Ramon, and that was like my first real punk. Uh, you know, like a. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So crazy, the mosh wow. pit. <laughs> wow! Very nice, very nice. Um, actually, I I watched the documentaries and I felt sad. It turns out that uh, Johnny and Joey weren't in good terms. Right. Yeah. Sad. And then this one. Oh, <laughs> yes! I love Hatebreed. I really love Hatebreed. Even though they've crossed over to a lot of metal. And for me, I believe they're a New Jersey band. They still have that New York aggression that right. the East Coast. I that's one band I will always watch. Even if they go here ten times, I will always watch them. And I'm a big fan of positive hardcore. Mm. I love their lyrics. I love I love their battle cries on making life better for you. Yeah. Yeah. Hate Breed rocks. And then always. one of yeah, Jesse. One of the other bands that kind of similar is I want to see suicidal tendencies. Yes, definitely, definitely. Mike Muir fan here. Uh, even Infectious Grooves, I was a big fan with Robert Trujillo and all. But uh, uh, that changed my life as well. Lights, Camera, Revolution. Yeah, they were hardcore, but they were also thrash and. <laughs> and then, and then they were like also hip hop, like gangster, right? Yes, they, they, they're part of the the gang scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love suicidal. I know this is one of also your one of your favorite yes, albums, right? Absolutely, definitely. And all Beatles, all Beatles, definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, I I make sure I play that in yoga class. I I play that. Uh, I I I just play that whenever I I want to feel good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh more yes yes Dio, heaven and hell right black Sabbath. yeah so actually, so so with black sabbath uh who do you like the most aussie or dio i've been asking myself that as well for years <laughs> because i love them both yeah i love the voice of dio more but i love the fact that aussie is aussie just say Ozzy. I love that Ozzy made Black Sabbath along with the, the three other guys. But in terms of voice, I go for you know the the whole rock star swagger. It's Dio. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I cannot not love Ozzy Osbourne as well. Both Black Sabbath and his solo work. Mm, yeah. That's. And you talk about this already, right? That's your first. Yes, my very first, um, my very first CD, Rain in Blood. 
That's why, you know, it was my dream, literally on my bucket list, to be in the middle of the mosh pit of uh, Angel of Death. Right. And they came here. So I, was like, <laughs> I, was, I was thanking God for Slayer. Right. Yeah, that was a yeah crazy show, right? You went? Yeah. Did you went to both shows or only the Kia one? I, I I don't know if I was out of the country for the second show or I just came back, mm. but I wasn't able to watch the second show anymore. Very heavy for me that I wasn't able to. Just like it's very heavy for me that Maiden didn't come here mm. and Dreamcatcher won't be wasn't able to also again. So yeah. <laughs> But thank you yeah. for showing me that. I, the lyrics scared me when I first read the lyrics of that album. <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah. what about them? My favorite Smiths album. <laughs> thank you, Chana. How come you know me? I never showed that to anyone. I, 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 I only had the cassette. Too. I had a feeling that you you probably like this. <laughs> yes, Girlfriend in the Coma is there. Last night I dreamt somebody loved me. That's yeah. the album. I, I listened to I, I I wore I wore out two post punk albums in high school, The Cure's Wish and The Smith's Strange Ways Here We Come. Yeah. Make sure I play those again and again. Wow. Actually I you like have... this uh you know the new wave style of uh, bands and then uh you know Paul Simpson? Who's this? Uh... Yeah, of course, of course. I have his autograph for yeah, yeah. Swans, yeah, so I'm actually yeah. I'm sort of want him to come on this podcast uh, so I can talk to him. <laughs> yeah. You got to see him live in Okada, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I got to see the Wild Swans the first time they came here. He signed my album. Very yeah, actually what happened is when he was singing, he took off my hat. I was wearing a hat and then he, he put it on himself. So after the show, I asked him to sign it because it still has its sweat. I, I asked uh, my wife to don't clean it. <laughs> nice, nice. Very nice, nice. And then the last one, JC. It's the album that started it for me, really. So thank you for showing me that. I love it. I love that album. I love, would you believe I, I like the songs that not many people also like? I love Rocket Queen very much. Very yeah. epic. <laughs> very, very awesome um, selection. Yeah. So JC, uh, so your, your dad, was like your uh, influence in music mostly, right? Yes. And then yes. your mom is the influence of your yoga. yoga. So, uh, what do, do you always think about them, your parents? Yeah, yeah they they passed. They they've already passed away. Do you know, Chana, that I actually saw you the day my mother passed away? Because my mother passed away in New Zealand on a business trip, and I met you. For the Dave Mustaine biography, I, I think I, I handed it to you. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. My, my no, no, I didn't hand it to you. I just saw you biking in Makati. Yes. Yeah, I was taking care of some documents in the embassy, looking for stuff to you know to handle. So, yeah, I I saw you the day my mother died. Yeah. Yeah, I actually was I was actually kind of lucky to meet your mom because she joined the last potluck we had 2015, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. The vegan potluck in Makati. Yeah, in Ayala, yes. And then because your mother took some of the pictures during that uh, potluck yeah, and now and now in the Facebook memory, it's actually coming out it in the recent recently. memory. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. 
wow five years ago or something i'm not i'm not sure yeah yeah i think it's five years ago probably five years ago right yeah that's the potluck I, all my, even my son and wife came to the potluck yeah yes. yeah very nice <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I always think of them. Um, not a day goes by that I don't actually. Mm. And every time, every time I hear uh, Hendrix or the Stones or the Beatles, it's impossible I don't think of my dad. Mm. I, I'll tell you a story about my dad. He actually in grade school because I kept on buying cassette tapes. He actually and the the cassette tapes I was buying, uh, well, Madonna. I bought Madonna, Swing Out Sister. Mm. Um, Concan and a lot of uh, Bolshoi new wave stuff basically so he said um, I want to introduce you to something so he took me to landmark in Makati back then when I was in grade school I was grade 5 and he said here choose four cassette tapes I will buy for you but I will have to say yes to the cassette tapes okay so guess what those cassette tapes are and because of him I got to know them so well Led Zeppelin 4. Okay. The best of the Rolling Stones. The best of the Doors. And Queen Greatest Hits 1. So it's because of him. That's why it's like, study those. He goes like that. So that's just, that's just a nice story. Yeah. So that's what my dad was. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, when you talk about your dad, I kind of remember get remembered my dad so <laughs> oh wow nice nice because was, my was your dad music no, my... or... huh well sorry your dad is how is he did he is he okay did he pass away no 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 he's still he's still back home he's retired okay. now uh okay. actually he's so so jc i don't know if you know that that i'm actually grown on a my mother is catholic my father was a buddhist so I was I was raised in that environment uh, because my mother was Catholic. So we were raised Catholic. So we went to church, uh, we went to mass, everything, and then. But I went to a Buddhist school, so I I practiced like the the meditation and then the the what do you call this? All the uh, principles and you know pers- uh, all that in in the school. And I knew like Buddhism like a, a lot, but. And then, uh, but I never practiced it when I was in Sri Lanka. Then when I came back here, uh, that's the time I was just like looking at uh, internet and then YouTube and then finding out new speakers. And, you know, that's how I got interested in Buddhism and then meditation. That's how I kind of got into the meditation, uh, start going to the meditation and then joined so many different groups after some time finding out that that's probably not the way to go. So join a different group then um lastly i've been practicing with uh uh, imi with imi and the philippine insight uh i do i go to that uh, when they have sessions um and then my dad when i went there last year he gave me a book uh he was so happy that i'm practicing meditation because he does it also that's what he does now he's retired so just what he does is just uh, meditation. He, he goes to the temple like every Sunday. That's his life now. So nice, nice. Actually, did you realize that the the influence of parents really is just just very prevalent for us, um, both for spirituality and how we run our lives now. Very important. Yeah, yeah. It, it. 
I mean, when we were like kind of rebellious, we didn't really think about it. But now, uh, when now that we are parents, and then you know, yeah. <laughs> I <Yeah>. think it's uh, <laughs> we are realizing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I I see your post with your son. He's very lucky to actually have culture immersed in him by you and the music also everything uh even entertainment movies he's he's very lucky yeah. so even even with my son javi I'm, i'm thankful because he's so into music that he's actually the guy who makes me listen to the latest indie rock bands but he also listens to slayer and slipknot so go figure <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Jaycee, t- tell everyone uh, why do they sh- try out yoga if they haven't sure. so far? So yoga, whether people believe it or not, is for everyone. People think that it's only for flexible people because that's what they see. They they see people uh, reaching their toes or or tying up in a bind. But actually, yoga is about knowing who you are and just learning to be still with yourself. The reason people do yoga poses is to be able to sit for long periods of time because it's not easy. And we open the body, we allow ourselves to be healthy because it's the universe's gift to us to take care of this beautiful body that was given to us to house our beautiful soul. Now, why should you do yoga? Why should you not do yoga? So you should actually just know who you are and be be thankful for this place you have in the world and that's what yoga will give you it gives you clarity if you allow it to it also gives you peace within and if you have that in yourself then you're wealthy already and if you have that peace within you may even transcend that with others as well and you may influence others so uh yoga is just for for you and others also yoga is for you to be able to To breathe yoga is also breathing by the way mm. yeah so thanks jc for doing this uh podcast with me i really enjoy this uh discussion likewise, likewise. <laughs> I've, i've listened to a lot of your podcast and uh i hope you don't mind but even even in showering i hear your voice because i just play it in the background sometimes <laughs> doing chores And then I'd intersperse it with listening to an album. And then, oh, Chan has a new guest. Let's check this out. So I like the fact that the musicians you interview are simply human. And you you can just totally relate. You know what I mean? Yes. Actually, I, I, I'm kind of limiting to the people I personally know. So, nice. Nice. so that it doesn't become like I'm just promoting somebody instead of just focus on people I have a connection with. So yes. that's why I've been going to the my... Sri Lankan bands who I was fans before yes. and then friends and then also the Filipino bands so I'm just focusing on that I don't want it to become just just a promotion channel I I want it to be a real discussion yes. uh beyond actually beyond music because it, it the stories sometimes beyond music is more more interesting actually mm-hmm. <laughs> right and it also goes full circle you'll notice that the music stories are related to their human stories and their human stories always have a music side to it yeah it has a soundtrack yeah <laughs> yes so thank you jc jc tell everyone how they can uh, promote your social media how they can reach you sure sure so my name is jc de leon i'm the co-director of medicale yoga institute we're on instagram and on facebook 
and I'm also the director of Conscious Spirit Yoga. It's on Facebook and Instagram as well. If you want to take a yoga class, I teach a Zoom yoga class that's open to everyone every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Philippine time. Just message me if you want to ask me about yoga and I'm here for you. I'm, I'm very open. Everyone's welcome. Okay. Thank you, JC. <laughs> China, it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.